Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Today we are resuming our study in the gospel according to Mark. We are ready for chapter 12 today. Now, if you remember where we left off in the story, Jesus has basically went into the temple and overthrew tables and all that stuff, and he's about to have some interactions with the religious leaders, starting with the parable of the householder, and or the you know it's got some different names, but uh, parable of the householders is one of them, where he tells a story about how he's basically going to take the kingdom from them and give it to a nation that would be fruitful. Okay. Additionally, after that, he has a few interactions with uh, the religious leaders of the day where they're trying to entrap him with questions. That doesn't go well for them. And so that's kind of what's on the agenda today. So let's begin Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 12, King James Bible. Let's start with this very first section here, this parable of the householder demanding fruit from his vineyard. Let's begin. Verse 1. And he began to speak unto them by parables. A certain man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it, and digged a place for the wine fat, and built a tower. And he led it out to a husbandman, and went into a far country. At the season he sent to the husbandman a servant, that he might receive from him, receive from the husbandman, of the fruit of the vineyard. And they caught him, and beat him, and sent him away empty. And he again he sent unto them another servant. And at him they cast stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled. And again he sent another. And him they killed and many others, beating some and killing some. Having yet therefore one son, his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. But those husbandmen said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. And they took him and killed him, and cast him out of the vineyard. What shall therefore the lord of that vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen, and he will give the vineyard unto others. And have you not read the scripture, The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them. And they left him and went their way. So let's break this down for a moment. This parable is easy to understand. In the parable... The owner of the vineyard leaves it in the hands of a servant, basically. And this, you know, a representative, if you will. And in this instance, it's called a husbandman. 
But when it's time to receive the fruit from the vineyard, he sends his servants, but they just keep killing the servants. And he says, all right, I'll send my only son. Surely they will reverence him, but they killed the son also, saying in their hearts, if we get rid of this guy, we can take it all for ourselves. And of course, when the master returns, there's great punishment, and then he takes the vineyard and gives it to another. What's amazing is how many Christians today don't understand this basic truth, that the kingdom was taken from them and given to another. That's how you and I, as Gentiles, have been able to come in and be grafted into Israel. It's a very basic truth, but today we see so many Christians longing to be Jewish. Uh, so many Christians and churches and denominations worshiping the land of Israel, even though Israel, along with the rest of the world, is going to burn according to the scriptures, and what we really are supposed to be longing for is the new Jerusalem, which will descend from heaven in the last days. The, the Pharisees, however, they know darn well who Jesus is talking about, as we see here at the very end, verse 12, And they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them. Of course, when we go to Matthew chapter 12, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 20, 21, Matthew chapter 21, starting with verse 33, we see this par same parable in the book of Matthew. Let me go down to the end of it because Jesus makes it clear in case anybody's confused about who he's talking to. Again, talking to the religious leaders, he says, after he tells this exact same parable, when the Lord therefore, starting with verse 40, of the vineyard cometh, what will he do to those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their season. And Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head corner? This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, remember he's talking to specific people. He says, I say unto you, the people he's talking to, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. Very easy to understand. Very easy to comprehend. It doesn't take a genius. Jesus, even when he wept over Jerusalem, just in our previous study, what does he say? Oh, Jerusalem, those who stone us and killeth the prophets, right? I would have gathered you like a chicken gathers her hens. Paraphrasing, obviously. Very, under, very easy to understand unless you have your doctrines all twisted up and confused, which many do in these last days. Let's continue on. Verse 13, now Jesus is going to be dealing with uh, different groups, religious sects coming up and trying to entrap him with difficult questions, which is no difficulty for him. Verse 13, and they send unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him in his words. And that when they were come, they say unto him, Master, 
We know that thou art true, and carest for no man, for thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. And they brought it, and they saith unto him, Who is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus answering said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Then came unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And they asked him, saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, If a man's brother die, and leave his wife behind, and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife, and raise up seed unto his brother. Now, real quick, just in case you don't understand that. In the law, if a, a, a woman and a husband are married, and the husband dies, but they have no children, the brother, if he's not already married, is to take his bro- take her as his wife, and then raise up seed for his brother who had died. That's what they're getting at. Okay, that's the what they're referencing. Verse 20, Now there were seven brethren, and the first took a wife, dying left no seed. And the second took her and died, neither left he any seed, and the third likewise. And the seven had her, and left no seed. Last of all, the woman died also. In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had had her to wife. And Jesus answering unto them, Do you not therefore err? because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God. For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. And as touching the dead, they rise. Have you not read in the book of Moses, how in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. So he's pointing out to the Sadducees, you've got this doctrine way wrong. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. There absolutely is a resurrection. And as far as the woman, the widow, who ended up with seven husbands trying to raise seed, and they all fail, and then she dies, it's not like here on earth and in heaven there is people aren't given in marriage kind of like the angels aren't given in marriage so she's not going to be any of their husbands in the resurrection is the point that he's making let's continue on verse 28 and one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well asked him which is the first commandment of all And Jesus answered them, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandments greater than these. Please note, you know, Jesus talks about, and this is another thing that I I feel like Christians err in. 
Jesus is saying the greatest of the commandments is love God with your whole heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And talks about how all the commandments are hinged together with these. It's not to say that the other commandments don't matter. It's to say that if you love, if you're loving your neighbor, you're not going to covet his wife. You're not going to steal from him. You're not going to bear false witness against him, right? If you're loving God, you're not going to have idols and all of that. That's what he means by this. It doesn't mean just be loving and kind and now you've fulfilled, you're fulfilling all the commandments. So you, it's just saying if you're doing that, you're, you're automatically by nature going to be obeying the commandments. If you're truly loving your neighbor, if you're truly loving God. Continuing on. Verse 32, And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all thy heart, and with all understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any questions. And Jesus answered and said, While he taught in the temple, how say the scribes that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thy enemies a footstool. David therefore himself calleth him Lord. And whence is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the upper rooms at the feast, which devour widows' houses and for repentance make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. And Jesus sat over against the treasury. And behold, how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living." And that is the end of chapter 12, and it ends with this story about the woman throwing in the two pennies, right? It's important to understand that God is wiser than man, right? That goes without saying. He can tell the difference between what true, what, what's truly costing a person and what's not. As an example, if you have a, you know, somebody who's a multi-billionaire... If he throws in $5,000, he donates that to charity. That's nothing for him. It's unnoticeable. God's not foolish. He understands that, right? He also knows that somebody who's living in poverty, who still tries to donate, whether it be time or money or, or whatever, whatever they can, when they're doing all they can to support the needs of others, God knows that that's way more. That's giving way more than, than what the rich are giving. Even though the numbers might be higher for the rich, God knows how to discern the difference here. 
And that's the point he's making. He's saying, you know, the widow gave out of her poverty. That's all she had, and yet she still gave it to the kingdom. Whereas a lot of these rich, yeah, they're putting in large numbers, but it's not really costing them anything. They're giving out of their abundance. Well, anyway, I hope that this teaching has blessed you this morning. Maybe it's pierced your hearts. Maybe it's challenged you a little bit. I pray that you're being blessed by this work. I want to thank you for those of you who pray for the ministry. And the biggest prayer you could pray for right now is guidance, that God would give me proper guidance. And number two, that it would be protected from this age of censorship. I want to thank all of you who donate through PayPal and the Patreon subscribers. You guys make this happen. There's no way I could do all this without your support. So thank you so much for for blessing me and blessing the work that's being done here. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again on Friday. Thank you for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.